Welcome to Island Baptist Church. Bill's lesson today is in Luke chapter 11, titled, Spiritual Terrorists. Luke 11. We're going to get through Luke before we all die. That's my current goal. <laughs> I'm enjoying it. I, I really have never been through a gospel ever in my um, coming on 30 years as a pastor as far as Sunday morning teaching is concerned. And so um, that seems kind of weird, doesn't it, when I say that? 30 years of teaching, I have been through a gospel in, on a Sunday morning. That ought not be. So we're making, making, making up for it then. That's what we're doing. For sure. Luke 11, we're going to be down in verses uh, 37 through 54, and we've read these before Jesus, uh, giving us his uh, opinion of, uh, of the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, and what, in a in large sense, larger sense, his opinion, his direction, his understanding, and ours also of false, false religion. We're going to be considering that today. So we're in the middle of this whole exchange between Jesus and, and uh the willfully blind, as we talked about last time, what's the difference between those who are actually blind and those who just keep their eyes shut? Well, there is no effective difference. And, and, and let me just say this for sure. No amount of light will help them. You keep your eyes shut. I mean, you can turn on all the lights you want to. You're never going to be able to see. And we saw that last time. These, these that are willfully blind kept their eyes shut. And even though Jesus is performing countless miracles, I mean, the lights are on everywhere. They keep asking for more light. And no light's going to help. Uh, the whole issue, like I said, we've dealt with it several times, many times, multitude times. I always say, you know, miracles don't help people if they don't want to see. You know, say, so well, if we had miracles, more people would be converted. No, they won't. They either come to the Word of God or they won't. Now, not to say that miracles can't, can't bring people to Christ. They do. They have. Obviously, they did in the New Testament. Uh, but, but, but largely, if people will not come to the truth of the Scriptures, they can come to the truth of Christ. They will not come. You can take the, the ark of Noah and prayed it down the middle of Pottery Boulevard. They don't, well, they're going to explain it away. I don't believe it. Again, what's their problem? Their problem is not, a, not an intellectual problem. It's a moral problem. Their deeds are dark, and they stay in the dark, and that's just their choice. So Jesus is dealing with the willfully blind up until this point. He's been basically tolerating their unbelief and avoiding them mostly, but now he's going to engage them. He's been engaging them only when they try to trap him, but from here on, he's going to be taking them on front. And so we're going to be seeing several of those verses. Of course, this passage is going to be really clear. And let me just say this, because I said this uh, earlier. I mentioned something about Jesus' opinion. These are not Jesus' opinions. Please don't call them that. I should say, I have a problem with someone, including me, calling what Jesus says an opinion. Because you have an opinion, I have an opinion. But we're not peers. I mean, we're peers with each other. We're not peers with Christ. Buddha has an opinion. Muhammad has an opinion, just like you have an opinion. Jesus doesn't have an opinion. Jesus has the facts. There's a huge, massive, incredible, vast difference. Uh, when, when we have this, we need to keep it in mind. Jesus only presents facts. Uh, when we study Christ, we need to remember, he is God. Not part of God. He's not a mini-God. He doesn't have a measure of God. He is 100% God. So when he speaks, it is God speaking. God doesn't have an opinion. God only presents facts. He doesn't have, like I said, there, there is no peer. The only, the only time you have an opinion is when peers exist. And I'm by myself in the boat. I have an opinion about what I'm fishing with, but guess what? No one else, no one else to argue with me. So I only present facts. Now, the facts may not be good. Half the time they aren't. 
But Jesus stands alone. He is God. Jesus is God. So when he speaks, he is completely alone. It's like you're climbing a mountain and there's small rises and ridges, and those are like opinions. Some ridge is higher than the next ridge and better and more important. Maybe uh, the view is better from there or whatever. But when you reach the top, you're at the top. There's no second top. Jesus is the top. There is no other opinions. There is, so therefore, what he has, what he presents to us is not an opinion. It is simply facts. He speaks as God because he is God. So keep that in mind just as we consider what Jesus has to say about these guys. This is not an opinion. This is a directive. This is a full understanding. What is actually going on with these people? Verse 37. Now when he had spoken, a Pharisee asked him to have lunch. Now you're going to see this several times in the New Testament. Jesus is asked to lunch, asked to lunch, asked to lunch. What are these guys, if they're against Jesus, why do they want to be around him all the time? They're trying to catch him. He's going to say something they're going to get him on. And, of course, he doesn't ever. But nonetheless, that's their ploy. You say, you, you know, you keep, your, uh, you keep your friends close, you keep your enemies closer. They're, they're 100% applying that right here. So they hate him. They're going to kill him, like within two months of this conversation. And uh, they, they, they speed it up, if you will, because you're going to see how he's going to break up the lunch here. This is a, way, a good way to break up a dinner, a lunch date. But he spoke, and the Pharisees asked him to have lunch with him. And he went in and reclined at the table. And the Pharisees saw, saw it. He was surprised that he did not ceremonially wash before the meal. Where did he get that rule from? Well, they made it up. You don't follow our rules, you must not be with God. Isn't that interesting? I had people, somebody the other day said something about, uh, well, my opinion is such and such. And I said, yeah, I agree with you. I said, well, we must be right then because, you know, I'm in agreement with the pastor. Yeah, I only wish that I could be right all the time. Wouldn't that be nice? So, so, so if, if, if you agree with us, right, you're therefore agreeing with God. Uh, not necessarily. We hope we have God's opinion, God's position on things, but uh, this, the Pharisees believed that anything that they spoke, their, their rule book was God's rule book. And, and so Jesus not following the rule book. Uh, he just noticed that. Notice Jesus he doesn't say anything to Jesus. Jesus just knows what's in his heart. So notice Jesus comes out 100% on him. He said to them, now you Pharisees clean the outside of the cup and the platter, but inside you, you are full of robbery and wickedness. That's pretty clear. You foolish ones, did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But give that which is in within as charity, and then all things are clean for you. In other words, he's, the inside is what matters, not the outside. Woe to you Pharisees! For you pay tithe of men and rue. These are tiny little things. And every kind of garden herb, and yet disregard justice and love of God. But these are the things that you should have done without neglecting. He's not against tithing. He's just saying, but you do little things so you can get away with big things. Woe to you Pharisees! For you have the front seat in the synagogues and the respectful greetings of marketplaces. Woe to you! For you are like a concealed tomb. And the people who walk over you are unaware of it. They were, they were rendered unclean if they got anywhere near a dead body or anywhere near a tomb. They didn't go visit graveyards like, like we do. Uh, very different. So, so these guys are a great illustration of a messed up Judaism. But even better, even broader, they're a great illustration. They have some great, great principles here that Jesus presents to us of, of what false religion is. And most importantly, God's facts on false religion. So I want us to hear several facts about not just Judaism, because these guys don't exist anymore, but there are lots of false religion 
false religious leaders otherwise around us today. And I want us to hear what Jesus has to say. The first thing that I want us to point out, I want to point out to you, is that he says, woe to them. Woe to them. This isn't an opinion. This is God's facts. What is God's position on false religion? It is woe. And this is not a stampede of horses or anything. <laughs> you don't hardly use that term. Would it, make, it would make better sense, maybe better understood, if I said to you, cursed are you. Cursed are you? Whoa, that's what woe means. Whoa. Cursed are you. So God says that you're cursed? The creator of the universe, the judge, he says you're cursed? You're going to have a bad day, aren't you? A bad eternity. That's what he says about these guys. God's word on false religion that is, anything other than what the Scriptures teach and any Jesus other than the, the, the Jesus that is presented in the Scriptures, his word is woe. Woe. They are cursed. There's not, a, there's not some good in them. They're bad. A hundred percent. Jesus calls them, he says to them, woe. He also calls them hypocrites. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. Hypocrites. This was a common word in Greek culture. You travel with us to Israel, a uh, couple of different places. We go to these Greek amphitheaters that were built before or about the time of Christ. Everywhere Greek culture went, they spread these Greek amphitheaters. They were big into actors and actresses and theatrical presentations. In fact, they had a very, uh, without sound systems, they could create these things. They created them with the direction of the wind, with the direction of the mountains. They, they, were, where, they were good acoustic uh, engineers. And uh, even today in Israel, I'm sure in other places as well, they still perform theater in these 2,000-year-old or more uh, theaters created by the Greeks. It's from the Greeks that we get the word hypocrite. It's also where we get these. Now, of course, this is the, you know, the, the symbol of the actor's guild today, right? We, these face masks. You know this came from Greek culture? It doesn't come from Hollywood. They adopted it, but... This is actually from Greek culture because in, in, in their acting, often they would come out wearing masks. So how would you know you had a bad character? How do you know if you're watching Cowboys and Indians you got a bad character? Because he's dressed in black, right? Every bad cowboy is dressed in black, and every good cowboy's got a white hat on, don't we know? All right. So how would you know which actor was mean and which actor was, was not? Which actor was sad, which actor was glad? You know, they would put on these masks. That's the word. Hypocrites literally means, well, for us, it means hypocrite. It means to act a role. So the mask would cover up who they really were. Who they really were may be your neighbor down the street, and of course you probably would know who was acting, but they would put on this mask because that was part of the role that they played. And that is exactly the word Jesus used here. He calls them hypocrites, mask wearers. What is Jesus' word on false religion? They are mask wearers. They play a role when, in fact, on the inside, something is different. In fact, very different. As Jesus says here uh, to, the, to the Pharisees, Woe to you Pharisees, right? You clean the outside of the cup and the platter, but inside you're full of robbery and wickedness. Hypocrites! Hypocrites! That's what he calls them. They play the role, listen, of those who knew, know God. They do not. What is false religion? Those who play the role, they're acting, they're good, you believe them. They're bad, you know, a bad actor fails. Why do so many fall in false religion? Because they're good actors. 
They act a role those who know God, but they do not know God. They do not. Again, Jesus is on words. They play the role of those who know and teach the truth, but they do not. They play the role of those who are righteous, but they are not righteous. But they play the role. They're believable. But behind them is actually something different. They play the role of those who are going to heaven. Plan on going to heaven? They say if you follow them, you're going. They play the role, but they're not going. And neither are those who follow them. Again, we don't have an opinion here. We have the facts from Jesus. They're actors, but this isn't a screenplay. It isn't over by the end of the night. This is eternal life and eternal death. This is not a game. Again, we have Jesus' facts on this. He says, woe to them. He calls them hypocrites. And by the way, most importantly, probably, they wear the perfect disguise to fool people. Here's the disguise. It's the garb of religiosity. The garb of religion. The robe, they're cloaked in religiousness. They know you can't just put on a mask and fool people. You're going to have to be dressed the part. And so they dress the part. They cloak themselves in religion. I don't know if you know this, but you need to know. Your theology needs to be correct. Satan rules the world. Did you know that? If he doesn't, then why does Jesus tell us to pray that God's kingdom would come and his will would be done if God's will is already being done his kingdom has already come? It doesn't make any sense. Well, the Bible does very clearly teach that the whole world is in the hands of the evil one. Here's 1 John. But we know that we're children of God. Do you know that? Do you know how you become a children of God, child of God? It's not by going to church. It's not by, we're going to have today the Lord's Supper. We celebrate communion together. It's not by observing the Lord's Supper. It's not by praying. It's not by having a Bible. It's not by being a good person or being American. How do you know, how can you know you're a child of God? It tells us in the previous verse there in 1 John chapter 5, verse 11. All those who have the Son have the life. And who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. Do you have the Son of God? It's not a religious question. It's a relationship question. That we know, John says, that we are the children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. That la- the, word, the word in the Greek literally means to be in the lap. So you just hold them in his lap. Crawl up in my lap, sweetheart. I love you. He's a liar. He's a liar. But the whole world, John says, you should believe him, is under the control of the evil one. We know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true by being in his Son, Jesus Christ. There it is again. It's not a religious thing. You come to a person, Jesus. Not to a church, great to come to church. Not to a moral standard, great to have moral standards. You come to a person, Jesus His son, Jesus, he is the true God and eternal life. How do we know that we belong to God? Because we belong to Jesus. Jesus is God. But the whole world is under the control of the evil one. We know this because, uh, like I said, it tells us. And here's here's what we really need to understand and, and have straight in our heads. Jesus doesn't control the world through, I'm sorry, Satan doesn't control the world through immorality and debauchery. We think those are the big crimes. They're not. Satan controls the world through religion. Now, I'm not saying immorality and debauchery are good things. 
I'm just saying they're small change, just small stuff. They're distractions. Because the evil one controls the world, and he controls it through religion. And he always has. And it's easily discernible if you'll pay attention to, well, it, well look at this one, first of all. 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. Satan disguised himself as an angel of light, not as a drug dealer, okay? <laughs> I'm not saying those are good things, I'm just saying that's the small stuff. That's not the big stuff, it's serious stuff, it's terrible stuff. It's life-changing stuff, but it is not nearly as serious and widespread as religion. He comes as a religious thing. An angel. Can't we trust angels? Not all of them. That's for sure. He disguises himself as an angel. False religion is the most predominant destructive force on the planet today. Let me give you some numbers. Over one billion underneath the deception of Islam. One billion. Nine out of ten Muslims don't live in the Middle East. Have you ever been to Saudi Arabia or the Middle East? There ain't many people over there because you can't live in a desert. Muslims are in a, more or less the Southeast Asia and the islands of Southeast Asia. Over a billion of them. Over a billion underneath the deception of Hinduism. Demon worship. They have thousands upon them. Thousands that they worship. Three quarters of a billion under the deception of Buddhism. So we're already up to three billion. How many have we got? Seven and a half billion in the whole world. So we're already reaching a majority of the people that are controlled. And by the way, these are religious people. Largely moral people, uh, uh, um, cons conservative people. Like I said, if we had a Muslim walk in here, would he allow any of you ladies to be dressed? I mean, I see too much skin already, right? They're very conservative, extremely con more conservative than most of us, probably more, certainly more than most of us, but it is a deception, a religious deception. And here's another more than a billion underneath the heading of false Christianity. I call it default Christianity. I'm not a Muslim. Well, I'm not a Hindu. I'm, I'm a Christian. Right? Because I went to church and I got baptized as an infant. And I, I uh, go on Easter and Christmas and I pray sometimes. And we have a Bible in the house. None of those things make you a Christian. Or we have a Christian nation, I'm an American. No, you hardly hear that being said anymore, but it used to be said all the time. I'm an American, of course I'm a Christian. Christian by default, that's not how you become a Christian. You become a Christian by coming to a Savior. That's the only way you come. And his name is Jesus. So, so we have one billion plus one billion plus three quarters of a billion plus uh, 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 haven't even added in the tens of millions under Mormonism, Jehovah's Witness, uh, animism, which is spreading, spreading everywhere, and Guys, can you see what he's doing? So, yeah, I'm not saying drugs and alcohol aren't a big deal. They're just a smokescreen. He's controlling the world through religion. Just like he did here in the New Testament. Jesus is coming out against these guys because they were the controlling factor of the whole nation. Everybody thought they were awesome. Everybody thought, if you could just grow up and be a Pharisee, sweetie. You know, mamas don't let your babies grow up to be cowboys, but let them grow up to be a Pharisee. They loved them. They absolutely loved them. They voted them into office. They thought they were the best guys. They absolutely wanted to hear their vote, their opinion on everything. And Jesus, notice how he doesn't give it his opinion. He gives you the facts. Here's what's really going on. These guys are actors. That's all they are. 
Terror, terrorism is a terrible thing in our world today, a scourge on our planet. These religious leaders are worse. They are spiritual terrorists. See, a physical terrorist can blow you up physically. These guys blow up your soul. They're soul terrorists. They are by far the worst. Being underneath their influence is the ultimate disaster. Their leaders pick your pockets, they deceive your mind, and they condemn your soul all in the name of morality and religion. That is how Satan is ruling the world. That's what he does. How do you know him? Because, again, he's not going to come to you at, at largely in debauchery and immorality. Not to say he's not in favor of those things. But he comes to you morally, religiously, in a mask, claiming to the truth. And if you don't know it, you're going to follow him. These Pharisees and scribes are classic examples, perfectly disguised. Clean and attractive on the outside, just like Jesus says. You clean the outside of the cup, you wear the mask, everybody is enthralled, you're acting the play, but in fact, on the inside, you're full of nothing but death and wickedness, he says. They wear the perfect disguise to fool people. And then a fourth thing. They are spiritual obstructionists. Look at verse 52. Spiritual obstructionists. Woe to you lawyers. It's talking about the law of God or their, their rewritten hand on the law of God. Woe to you lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. They had it. It's in the Bible. I don't know when the last time or if you've ever had a conversation with a modern day, I've had several with modern day rabbis in Judaism, those that are steeped in their religion. Ask them about the Bible, if you know the Bible at all. I hope you do. Of course, theirs is the Old Testament, so don't start a New Testament conversation with them. Start an Old Testament conversation. I spent nine hours with one on a flight over to Israel one time, and we would just start talking about just Bible stories, David and Goliath, uh, Abraham and Isaac on you know Mount Moriah. I mean, these are just stories that I've known all my life. He had totally different stories. Oh, I know. Here's his answer. I know that's what the Bible says, but really, what really happened was, boom. <laughs> like what? So you get to write the Bible however you want to. I know that's what it says, but what it really is is such and such. Like really? Yeah, that's what they did. They just simply rewrote it. Again, these guys are the heirs of these Pharisees. Spiritual obstructionists. Woe to you lawyers, for you've taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter in yourselves, and those who were entering you hindered. You obstructed them. You stopped them. That's what they do. They don't go in, and they prevent others from going in, just like their dad. You know who their dad is? Like I said, Jesus is going to come head on to these guys. And this is what happens a little bit later, a conversation he has with them later. Notice Jesus says very clearly, so that you understand your stance. Again, you have an opinion about false teachers. All oh, the Mormons are nice people. All oh, the Mormons, you know, Jehovah's Witnesses. Da, 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 da. Jesus gives us facts on these people. Facts. You are the children of your father, the what? The devil? For you love to do the things he does. Here's, here's what he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. Like I said, these guys are spiritual terrorists. They'll blow your soul up. They'll destroy you for all eternity. Far worse 
than a guy with a bomb strapped on him. He was a murderer from the beginning, and he has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him, even though he wears a mask that says he does. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he's a liar and the father of lies. Again, just like their dad. They do that. They obstruct. They keep. Satan doesn't want you in heaven. He doesn't want you to know the truth. He's going to put on some garb and hide himself and come as an angel of light so that you'll follow him. So we, we have to pay attention to what God says. There, there aren't several good ways, and there isn't good and bad in each one of these religions. I hear that all the time. People want to do, as I call, a, a religious buffet. Take a little bit from this, a little bit of Jesus, a little bit of Judaism, a little bit of Hinduism, a little bit of that, a little bit of this, a couple of shakers of salt and pepper, and let's eat it, you know, kind of thing. No! There's not good and bad in them. There's nothing but bad. Again, Jesus says, this is who they are. It's not an opinion. It's a fact. You're welcome to your opinions, but can we agree that if your opinion disagrees with his facts, that you are wrong? And they are wrong. So, so there's not several good ways. I mean, they may have a good set of rules that may help you. They may get you out of trouble. It may improve your outlook on life temporarily, but in the end, you die. In the end, forever, you die. So let's just say, here's an illustration. I make you a cake because I'm a sweetheart. I make you a cake. You wouldn't want my cake. But if I did, I use all the right ingredients. Flour. Uh, see, I don't even know what goes in it. Sugar. <laughs> milk. <laughs> baking soda. Baking powder. A uh, uh, little salt. Egg. egg. Without egg, it would be terrible. Uh, uh, beautiful icing, well-decorated. 99.99% of this cake is good stuff. But the 0.001% is cyanide. And you eat it, a big old slice, and you die. So you'll be just as dead if I just started the whole thing out with shooting you, right? No difference. There is no difference. Shooting him with a gun is 100% wrong, I agree. Poisoning you with 0.001% cyanide is just as wrong. You're just as dead. That's what these guys do and gals. That's what they're giving you. Yeah, there's good in them. Yep, yep, yep. But it's the bad that's the problem. You know, they teach you in, in high school and junior high and elementary school when you're doing true false. If any part of the sentence or paragraph is false, the whole thing is. So yeah, I got all these words and lines that are all true. That's true, that's true, that's true, that's true, that's true. It's a small screen. Because there's this part in there that isn't. And it throws it out, the whole thing, at least it should. So you miss heaven by an inch or a mile, what's the difference? Hmm? There's not a difference. Hell's not cooler for those who mention it by an inch as compared to a mile. You don't get through false religion, you only get there through Christ. Again, we're going to be celebrating, the, the, remembering the, the body and blood of Christ. The symbols are nothing but symbols, right? But they're more than symbols. They're more than that. There was a real body and real blood that was shed and broken for us. We're going to be remembering that. It's a serious thing. It's a relationship, not a religion. So he says that these guys are, are all these things. They do exactly like their, their father, Satan, does. They have no power. They offer no help. And they have no truth. Take a look with me there at verse 46. 
Woe to you lawyers as well, for you weigh men down with burdens hard to bear. The lawyers, by the way, were the theological muscle behind the Pharisees. They're the theologians with all kinds of letters after their names. You come up with all these rules and all these religious things, and you make these Pharisees even more cloaked in their religion. You weigh men down with burdens hard to bear, while you yourselves will not even touch the burden with one of your fingers. The word in Greek literally is the pinky. You won't even poke them with your pinky. You won't even help them. They have no truth, no power. They offer no help. They add rules with no ability to keep them. They don't even keep them themselves. It's interesting if you do a little research on these false religions and false religious leaders. For instance, Mohammed, he created this Islam, right? Very conservative. Nobody shows any skin. Very strict on what you eat and what you can't eat. Very religious. Never miss. Never miss. The dude was a murderer and a pedophile. What is, what is Islam known for in the world today? Morality? Kindness? Death is what they're known for. Because that's what's on the inside of it, you see. I'm not proclaiming death over every last Muslim. I'm just saying, this is what he established. You have these guys that are creating all these rules. They're not even keeping any of them. He was well known. I mean, he's, okay, he's all moral. Yeah, but he's a pedophile. Joseph Smith creates the uh, Mormon religion. All kinds of rules. Cloaked in religiosity. Can't do this, can't do that, can't go here, can't go there. Uh, can't, among other things, drink anything of caffe caffeinated. Can't smoke anything, uh, no tobacco and no caffeine, and yet he was well known to have his coffee and his cigar every single morning. He's just, he just sets a bunch of rules up and then sits back and folds his arms and watches us idiots do the thing that he designed for us to do. They're terrorists. Plunderers of the souls of men. That's false teaching. That's false religion. They lift not a finger to help you. Care nothing for you. They're terrorists. They'll blow your soul up. On the other hand, when you come to Christ, by the way, you can't come to these guys. You don't know why? The main reason? Well, they're all dead. They're all dead. They've been dead for a very long time in many cases. We celebrate the death of Jesus. That's part of our, our, our communion, right? But all, all the while knowing Jesus is alive. He's the Savior. How can he give me life if he doesn't currently have life? It makes no sense. You come to Jesus, though, you get something totally different. They won't even lift a finger to help you. Jesus, he does the exact opposite. Come to me. Notice, not a religious decision. It's a personal decision. You come to a person. Have you come to the person of Christ? I'm not asking if you're a moral person. I'm not asking if you're a Bible reader or a prayer, but have you come to the person of Jesus, because that's what he tells you. Come to me, all you were labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You come to a Pharisee, he's going to make you work, and there'll never be an end to it. You come to Muhammad, you come to Joseph Smith, you're just more stuff to do. And every day piling more on and not lifting a finger to help. Take my yoke upon you, a yoke is double. So you never, a yoke of oxen always implied too. So Jesus says, take my yoke. I'm on the other side, and I'm going to be pulling life with you. We're going to do this together. Totally different. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. This is what we get when we come to Christ.
this is where the life is. Because this is the only one living. The only one that can give life is the one who has life, and that is Jesus. He gives us such dire statements here, doesn't he? About false religion, conservatism, moralism. We're not against those things necessarily. I don't think God necessarily is. But you understand that many who wear those cloaks are not. They're not with God. Most are not. I'm going to ask if you would bow your heads and close your eyes with me. God, we, we don't want to be a fake. We don't want to put on a cloak or a mask. We don't want to be guilty of coming to church or being known as church people, but hiding behind a cloak of religion when in fact there's nothing different on the inside of us. Lord, I thank you that it says that when we trust you, that you and the Father and the Holy Spirit all come to live inside of us. That's where our real problem is. We can all wear a mask and fool the world, but we cannot fool you. We need to be changed on the inside. Lord Jesus, I thank you for all that come to you. You come to them, and you never leave them. I pray for the person here who doesn't know you, Lord, that his mind would be quickened to you, that he would understand and see that he needs to come to the Savior. He needs to come to the one who's not playing a role, who doesn't have an opinion, but who is the truth and the life himself. Thank you so much, Lord, for speaking to us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for visiting. Find us at www.islandbaptistchurch.org.